Welcome to Jesus Dates. I just basically spent the entire school year basically alone, and so by the end of the school year, I was just ready to just be out of this place. Like there was no attraction for me to stay in Bemidji any longer. where we hear real stories of how God is moving in the lives of very real people. Whether he's led them to a mountaintop experience or a long walk through a valley, we get to hear all about it right here on Jesus Dates. Hi, I'm Corbin McCain. Uh, I grew up in northern Minnesota in the heart of the Paul Bunning Forest. I was one of three. I was the baby, and uh, growing up in Minnesota, um, You've got all these lakes. It's about 12,000 lakes in total. And so any direction you walk, you've got bodies of water that you find. So, you know, you grew up on the lake, you know, fishing and wakeboarding and swimming. And yeah, it's a beautiful place to grow up. Um, I recommend it. How, um, so who's, who's Paul Bunyan? Paul, Paul Bunyan, uh, so Paul Bunyan is a giant lumberjack who has a ox named Babe, a blue ox, um, and it turned blue because of the cold of Minnesota. His footprints made all of the lakes. Is the uh, the legend? What town did you actually like? Were you born in? I was born in. Um, I was actually born in Kansas. But really? I moved to Bemidji when I was about eleven. So Bemidji, Minnesota sounds like a great place. <laughs> I, I think you'd know, yeah. So tell me a little bit. Uh, you said that you were the baby of the family. Um, what else about your family dynamics um, can you tell us? Uh, yeah, so we moved up to Minnesota because my dad got a job as a youth pastor. And so uh, we, okay. we grew up in the Swedish Lutheran Church. Um, that's a real thing. And uh, my mom worked as, like, communications director at a Christian college just south of Bemidji. And so, yeah, we, we grew up, you know, on the lakes in the summer and, you know, out snowboarding in the winter. And so my fa- we, all my family were out on the hills, um, mostly growing up. And, yeah, we grew up pretty, pretty tight, but it was mostly me and my sister who were really connected, and my brother was kind of off doing his own thing, mostly. So so you said that you went snowboarding in Bemidji. Do they have any mountains there? Uh, no, it's a man-made hill that's about 250 feet high, and it's got probably six runs, and most of them actually bleed into each other, so it's not even really six runs. You know, <laughs> They just can call it that. But yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, when you've got nothing, it's it's the best place in the world. Absolutely. So okay. So I well, I met you in Bemidji. I don't remember the first time, but I, then the second time I met you, you were a barista. So yeah, are you still a barista? Yeah, I'm still working as a barista, going uh, as I make it through school. Um, so I work about thirty hours a week, and yeah, make people delicious coffee. So I've asked you to tell us a story of when you knew that God was alive and active in your life and kind of where that story begins. Yeah, so the story really begins for me in my senior year of high school. And so that, that senior year, a lot took place for me. Um, my, my dad lost his job. 
Um, okay. He was fired, and it was at a it was at an important time for me because I was just gaining an interest and investing time into getting to know the the lead pastor and just really letting him speak into my life. And so the entire time that I was you know spending with him in the back of his mind, he was knowing that he was going to have to fire my dad. So yeah, there was some bitterness after after that, and some resentment, and um, then. I had another area of my life where um, I had a really, really good group of guy friends and we were in a band together and just basically just lived in each other's houses. And um, one day a girl comes up to me and just told me that our band had broken up and it basically was just telling me that uh, our friendships were over without any explanation. So she told you that instead of the guys? Yeah, I, they never said anything to me. They never explained. They never justified anything. It was just over. Did she say why? No, it was, it was more like just a news blurb, and it explained why I hadn't been heard from anybody for a few days. Oh, so you just hadn't heard from them for a little while, and then all of a sudden she just came up to you and yeah, yeah, out. exactly, exactly. So she came up to me and told me this, and it, it explained what had been going on. But like, how do you respond in that? that instance like you you know things have just happened with your dad and they know this you know they know that this is a delicate time and then I think I think I tried to reach out to them and I just was getting nothing in return like like it was just all quiet you know there was just no communication happening it was just the line had gone dead and at this time so you said that you were uh, a senior in high school correct yeah, I was a senior in high school at okay. the time, yeah. I just basically spent the entire school year with that happening and just basically alone. And so by the end of the school year, I was just ready to be out of this place. Like, there was no attraction for me to stay in Bemidji any longer. But, um, you know, it's it's the classic conversation where everybody's excited about, you know, I'm going on to college and I want to become, you know, this position – or I want to do this with the rest of my life. And to me, I just, I hated that conversation. Why? Uh, it just, Why were you uh, hating that? Because I, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And the idea of spending 40 years doing one thing just sounded miserable to me. Like yeah. I, and so spending my life in, in one area just seemed so meaningless and everything that they were describing just was a meaningless conversation to me. Yeah. You know, um, so at I this just time, to, do you think, I mean, were your parents like supportive and trying to help you figure out what you're going to do with your life or were they still dealing with like, you I know, just being they fired? Wanted, they wanted an answer of like Corbin, um, we want you to do what you want um, when we support you, but you've got to figure out what that is. Um, but I think there was so much going on for them yeah. that uh, for the most part, like that was the terms of our conversation. Like we'll support you. We'll go with you as you explore different areas, but you've got to make the decision. Our good friend that we share, Carrie Ann had told me my senior year about her brothers doing YWAM. And so, I had always admired her brothers, and so when she told me about that, it, st- it stood in the back of my mind, even though I didn't really want to do what she was talking about. So um, so what is YWAM? 
So YWAM is it's called it stands for Youth with a Mission, and it's a missions program that sends out young people with the belief that you don't need to go through years and years of training, but、um, God works through young people. And okay, it's a horrible explanation, but yeah, you get the idea. <laughs> okay, so to like young people going out and doing mission work, is that、yeah. okay? So she was telling you. About YWAM and wanting you to join it. Yeah, yeah. She she told me this with like, if you don't know what to do, you can always do this. Okay, okay. And by the end of the school year, it that was exactly the situation. Like, I didn't know what to do. I hadn't I hadn't、um, applied to any schools. My only real aspiration was to go become a ski lift operator in Colorado. Okay. And、um, so when with Carrie Ann's information in the back of my mind. I thought since her brothers had done a snowboarders DTS, I can go to Colorado, do that. It gets me out there,、um, and I won't have to save up for for it. Like I can put out newsletters, and they'll help me get there. Yeah, and then I can just put up with the God stuff, and then go snowboard on the weekends. So you're like, okay, I'll just breeze through all the boring stuff, but do the fun、yeah. things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. You know, just you. I have a certain amount of tolerance. I could just put up with it, and then just really do what I have gone out there to do. What my real intentions were. Because were, I guess, were you and God at this point not tight, or just, or I guess it doesn't sound like it. I I guess I just didn't really know what the relevance of God was anymore. Like,、uh, God, God had always been this kind of. He had always just been the the Christ who who paid the price for my sin, but I didn't know what the relevance of God was beyond that. Okay. So that that summer of high school was when God started becoming real to me, and it came about in a totally strange way. But God God really used Lord of the Rings. Okay. I was watching the movies heavily, and He really used. These movies to open up a door to me because I think I was so close to him. There's just too too much pain there to really allow him to speak, or he, there wasn't even wasn't even a belief there that he does speak. You know, he just forgives sins. You know, you just go to him and he just, you know, he's a machine that turns out forgiveness. Yeah. And so,、uh, yeah, I started watching Lord of the Rings a lot, and just there was so much meaning, and people were were. Born with significance, and it was something that I I deeply longed for because I felt like everything was meaningless, and it was the exact opposite、hmm. of of everything that I was believing in my head. But my heart was longing for this this world that I saw on the screen, and so that summer I just started feeling convicted about a lot of things in my life, especially the decision I was making to go out to Colorado and just. Snowboard and put up with the God stuff. It was purely by by watching、uh, yeah. like Frodo Baggins. You're like,、yeah. hey, I want to do something really meaningful like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I, yeah. So after watching this, we're like, I'm gonna go change the world. <laughs> no, no.、Um, after that, I I was just like, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> I have this opportunity because、uh, YWAM is this. You know, multinational. Like they've got locations everywhere, and I was like, "What am I doing? Just going to Colorado? Like, 
like I have this opportunity to go anywhere and kind of start anew and give God a chance. Oh, okay. And so when when I went over to England where I did my discipleship training school, it's a three-month lecture phase and then a two-month outreach. And I sat through a lot of these lectures and took notes because that's what you're supposed to do. And But nothing was really changing for me. Okay. Was it just kind of stuff you had always heard of? I, I think so. And I think I just wasn't giving it a chance because, like as we've talked about, my dad was a youth pastor. So yeah. there was a certain amount of arrogance to me where I was just like, oh. I already know this. But what, what really hit me eventually, and the moment God started becoming real, was uh, we, we had these uh, ministry nights and we would gather together and there would be worship music and then afterwards we would all sit in a circle and we would just share stuff that God was bringing to people's hearts. Technically they were called like break free moments and so I, I was watching people break free but to me it was just like people pitying their lives. You know, like I... I didn't feel sorry for them. I just really felt like the more and more you talk about this, the more and more you're just going to feel sorry for yourself. So why even bother? So what was it? They're telling like sad stories about themselves or stories about how they needed God? Yeah. Like uh, this, this one girl that I went to school with uh, was in the, the program where she was talking about how she had never felt beautiful. Like I just didn't feel anything for her. I just, felt like stop pitying yourself like if you're gonna make it in this world you have to grow a, a thicker skin oh do you think that was coming off of like you losing all your friends and i i definitely think that there were um aspects of that that were coming out where it was just like i had become so hard and jaded hmm. that i wanted everybody else to kind of Tough enough. Feel, yeah, I wanted a tough love for everybody else and to feel kind of my, my own pain. And so when it felt like somebody was, you know, doing something heroic, I think I reacted to that. Okay, okay. So you're and listening so, to all these different stories like this, and is it really just bothering you? I, I think so. But I, I could never put my finger on why. But the, these stories kept on popping up where people were doing stuff and it looked like there were actual physical changes to them and they started acting differently. And so I was witnessing the, these changes. Hmm. I was witnessing these changes and I couldn't explain it. It was irritating. I, I think I was angry because it wasn't me. Uh, did and you... It was like another time where I felt alienated because it wasn't happening to uh... me. It was somebody else's story. Okay. That makes but, sense. Um, we, we had to have quiet times, and so in the, these quiet times, um, they would give us literature that we had to read and Bible passages, and it was really at this time that I started praying for the first time, and I felt like God started speaking to me and just telling me to give him a chance and to open myself up, and so I, I started doing this a little bit. Like we had already talked about with Lord of the Rings, I started feeling conviction, like something's there. Mm -hmm. And then now I was experiencing where it was like, give me a chance to speak. And it ultimately led to 
me, uh, we, we, we all have these, what's called one-on-ones where it's one of the staff leaders that we meet with and we just talk about things. And up to this point in the school, like we just really talked about nothing in particular. Like, you know, he always asked, like, is there anything you want to talk about? I always said no, because there really wasn't anything happening in me. Okay. And um, so one night, I asked him if we, we could meet up, and I, I was going to give all of this a chance. We met up in this, this guest bedroom. Um, the hospitality has this, these sectioned-off quarters in the manor where we lived. And uh, so we went into one of these rooms, and uh, it, was, it was an awkward 15 minutes, at beginnings because I didn't know I didn't even know how to begin like and after those 15 minutes it just started word vomiting you know like I I didn't realize how how deeply affected I had been by everything Hmm. I just started talking about you know feeling alienated by my friends my family and yeah I just started word vomiting all this and I just start crying and it was it was weird because it was like an out-of-body experience because I was seeing tears falling but I didn't I was almost disconnected from it you know were you like like, what was going through your head were you like oh my goodness it's happening for me too like I'm this is my moment or was it just kind of a blur (laughs) I think I was just kind of scared it was like I couldn't understand why I was doing this it was like Am I, am I just feeling sorry for myself or is like something actually happening, but something has to be happening because <laughs> like these, these aren't just tears where I'm feeling sorry for myself. It's like stuff is almost bubbling inside of me where it's like erupting out of me. Yeah. We're, we're, <laughs> did it feel like, did it feel good to like get all that out? Or It, it felt really good and it, it, it felt really good to have somebody there that actually cared about it he was there and he was supporting me and he understood cool and it was like god understood i I think i had always justified everything that had happened to me like you've just got to grow a, a thicker skin like people are cruel and you have to deal with it you have to find what coping mechanisms and so it's okay. like all of this was erupting out of me. It was like I was finally understanding that there's actually something wrong with this. You know, it, it's it's hurtful and it's not, it's never been my will for you. So with this, did you feel like it was, like, did you feel like it was God talking to you and being like, hey, everything that you thought maybe was from me and just kind of like reframing who God was at the moment? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, um, to answer your question, Molly, is that I think it was just this, this moment in the room, God became real. Like like I said earlier, like God was just deistic, he forgives your sins, but the fact that he was there in that moment and cared and had been paying attention to my story and not wanted any of those things to happen, like God was there, like he was real, and I suddenly understood what everybody had been talking about so what happened afterwards like you know how you said that you looked at the other people and there you could see a transformation did a transformation take place then afterwards yeah yeah so one of my friends started telling me that I was just becoming more social like I think I had always been I had become so isolated in myself not wanting to share anything because it was almost like fuel for people to hurt you Hmm. 
And so I started becoming a lot more open and trusting with people and real relationships started forming in this. And then we went out on outreach and I started sharing my story and I was suddenly just open about myself. Like, this is who I am. You know, this, these stories that are, are hurtful are actually being redeemed. So I don't, it doesn't bother me to share them anymore. And so, yeah, all, all of this is just to describe, like, I was I was experiencing God, and I was having this co- conversion e- experience where God was becoming real to me, and I was discovering that you could actually love God, and He was lovable. Coming back from something like that, because I don't know, how long is a uh, YWAM? Is that like a year? Uh, so it's, it's about six months so th- three months lecture phase, two months outreach. So yeah, we, we got back from, from outreach, which I did in Poland. Oh, wow. Okay. So you were and, all over the place. Yeah, yeah, we, we were all over the place um, going, going everywhere. But yeah, we got back from Poland. And it was at this point where it was like, God is becoming real. I want more of this. And so I started praying about God can I stay? Can I stay here? Um, can I continue doing what I'm doing? Because if I go mm. home, it's it's not going to be uh, fruitful. Oh, okay. So what was your answer? It was, it was a yes. And so I, I went home for about two months and started raising money. And I then moved to Germany, where I lived for about five years. Wow. Yeah. That's... So crazy. So did you end up doing the same thing for five years? Yeah, I worked with discipleship training schools for about two years. And then I worked with uh, arts and missions for about three years. Okay. So so let me ask you, when you came back, did your relationship with God remain the same? Or did it decline? Or, you know, because you're not still over there or at YWAM. Yeah, um, I basically left YWAM because, like I, I said, like this was a very experiential conversion for me where God was becoming real and I was experiencing him and something was happening when I was praying, but nothing had really happened for me intellectually. Okay, so how, can you break that down for me a little bit when you say intellectually? So what do you mean, uh, the difference? Yeah. Yeah, so I think the best way to go about it is the the Bible tells us that discipleship is of the mind, body, soul, and spirit, mm-hmm. and to love God with our mind, body, soul, and spirit. And so what, what I mean with um, experiential, like I was experiencing something, you know, so I, I had had this spiritual experience where it was like, I've experienced God, and I feel like he's been growing me in discipleship through this. But I want to know him in other aspects of my life. Okay. So with when you totally go off of just experiences, then if you're not having those big experiential moments, then it's like, oh, God must not be doing yeah. anything. So. Yeah, yeah ex- exactly. Like, it became unhealthy for me. I, I wasn't having experiences anymore, and it, I started thinking something was wrong with me. Mm. You know? Okay. And so if, if your experience is really um, the basis of your faith and that kind of experiential well dwelt like if that dries up 
yeah. what, what's there what's there left anymore it's all it's all gone oh i see so you're like okay there has to be another aspect or more to just hey a really like a mountaintop experience yeah yeah exa- exactly like his his grace is manifested in other areas of life when you experience god in different ways beyond that that's where i think real discipleship happens If you'd like to share your story of how God is working in your life, leave us a message on our Jesus Days voicemail number 218-656-0540 or send us a message on our Instagram page at The Current Ministry. This podcast is brought to you by The Current Ministry, music by Azrael Post, and this is your host, Molly Duper, thanking you for joining us. And until next time, grab a friend, a cup of joe, and go have your very own Jesus Day. Can you ask your last question first? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my very last question? Yeah. Oh, I was going to ask you a question about um, Buena Vista. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. What, What about it? What was the coldest that you went to Buena Vista snowboarding? Uh, probably negative 40. Yeah, I think, I think the first, the first year I went snowboarding, um, actually, you, you may not know this, but, um, your, your cousin Luke got me my first snowboard and it had a painting of Daffy Duck on it. Oh my goodness, my dad, my dad painted that. Oh really? Yeah, that was my first snowboard. Oh, and that it, went it to you? To me. Yeah, that went to me. Um, oh, that's so exciting to me.